0: What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and I've done about 95 drafts, I think, just post-draft. We talk pre-draft, we're talking like big boards. We have like probably like 200 plus at that point. But for post-draft 2023 NFL season best ball, I am 95 drafts in. And I want to share with you guys the players that I can't stop drafting. So today, we're going to talk through the three wide receivers that I cannot stop drafting on underdog best ball now before we get into that if you are new here if you are new to underdog fantasy make sure you check it out use promo code ron they will match your deposit up to 100 on underdog fantasy i have a link in the description a link at the top of the comments below you click it it takes you to underdog fantasy they'll use my promo code you'll get your deposit matched up to 100 dollars, and you can go play best ball draft in these leagues it is so nice that it's like June 27th and we can draft meaningful best ball teams right now. They have like a, I think like it's, it's a $4 Superflex tournament out right now, the Pomeranian, but Superflex, not the Pomeranian. Um, what the heck is that thing called? Oh, the Chihuahua, but Superflex. $4 to enter, I believe. Really cool contests that are made for beginners. So if you're new to Underdog Fantasy, it's best ball. You don't have to make trades. You don't have to set waiver wire. They set the best lineup every single week for you. And you can get in at a very low pro. Uh, price point of like four dollars you can see what the adp looks like it's real money on the line so the adp is much sharper than say espn or yahoo and just from getting practice in those on underdog it'll have you prepared for your redraft leagues where say Chris Olave is going like the second round on underdog and your home league is probably more of a fifth round guy so you look up you're like oh Chris Olave is here in the fourth round fifth round absolute steal here here it gets you really really nice in a good spot so that you know you can just run through a bunch of practice drafts and be good to go to dominate your home league so again promo code ron with all that being said if you enjoy make sure you down below subscribe leave a like let's go now earlier this week we made a video on Quentin Johnson. Or I think this was over the weekend. We made a video on Quentin Johnston as my most drafted wide receiver. Now, if we look past Quentin Johnson, my second most drafted wide receiver for like the first time ever that I've been in on this guy is Mike Evans. He's always been a fade for me, but you can see he's going at the wide receiver 35 in the sixth round right now on underdog, which just feels a little bit crazy. For me, I've I've done one set of redraft rankings so far in my first update he was my wide receiver 28 as like a fifth rounder. So probably like a round higher than consensus, like seven wide receiver spots higher. And just because this is a guy who just like over his entire career has never been priced this like We're talking wide receiver 35 as a price tag right now. And if we look through, right, we have his, uh, this is a table of Mike Evans fantasy career since 2014. I only have ADP dating back to 2017, but he is the wide receiver at 35 at ADP right now, and since 2017, has never been drafted outside of the top 15 wide receivers. So we're getting a like 20-spot discount on Mike Evans. He's had terrible quarterback play, too. I know this year he has Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Of course, he's had Brady and Winston and Fitzpatrick have been great because they're such high-volume passers, but as a rookie, now of course Mike Evans was much better as a player as a rookie, but he had Josh McCown and Mike Glennon and still squeezed out a top 15 point-per-game finish. I just feel like we have a lot of breathing room at ADP of 35. Again, since you know his entire career, he's never been outside the top 15 wide receivers in ADP, probably since he was a rookie. And then his point per game finish, the lowest he's ever had is 25. Wide receiver 25 in points per game in 2015, his second year in the league. And at wide receiver 35, it just feels like we have a lot of breathing room. Now, again, I understand... This is the worst quarterback he's had since his rookie year, and the price is definitely valid, right? It just feels like it's priced in, right? Like, that's a lot of breathing room here, wide receiver 35, because of Baker Mayfield and what he does to this offense. Now, when we look at Baker Mayfield uh, and his history, it's a little bit tough with Baker. Um, Early on in his career, he was actually pretty good, right? When we look at these Cleveland offenses that were pretty low volume, I have this table here Baker Mayfield every fantasy wide receiver that's been like relevant fantasy wide receiver that he's supported over the years um, and his deep throw PFF grade and his big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio on those deep throws because that's kind of where Mike Evans lives right those huge bombs 20 plus yards where he just gets like 3 of them and gives you like 40 plus points in a week that's vintage Mike Evans now with Baker Recently, it's been rough, right? Carolina with DJ Moore last year, absolutely brutal. 62.1 deep throw PFF grade. DJ Moore was the wide receiver at 53 in points per game through the first five weeks that Baker Mayfield was in Carolina. Um, But before that, I mean, it's not terrible, right? Like 2018, his rookie year, Jarvis Landry was wide receiver 25 in points per game. The following year, he actually supported two top 36 wide receivers in Jarvis and Odell, which is feels like something he can do with mike evans and chris godwin this year uh 2020 i mean jarvis was like the wide receiver 37 not great but still that would just be like two wide receiver spots off of mike evans this year 2021 jarvis landry wide receiver 34 i believe at this point evans is probably a better wide receiver than jarvis he can be a little bit more um efficient just because of his high a dot and uh touchdowns and i think that there's some untapped upside with baker where you know he had a pretty tough shoulder injury that he's worked through since like 2021 and just hoping that he can be fresh and get back to some of that early career magic because because he was elite in terms of throws of 20 plus yards. Like we're talking as a rookie, 96.4 PFF grade, 90 plus PFF grade uh, 2019 and 2020. We're talking 26 big time throws to three turnover worthy plays, 25 to 10, 25 to 9. Um, just absolutely insane. Now, I will say, I think that 2019 should just be both 25 to 10, um, but still, like 20 plus big time throws of 20 or more yards is pretty wild stuff. So if he can, you know. I'm not saying he's going to, but I think it's in his upside case for Baker Mayfield or for Mike Evans in general, is that Baker can be a little bit better than we think he might be. Like He was a good prospect, first overall pick, um, hasn't really been good since 2020 through 2018, but he's still a younger quarterback. Like A bounce back wouldn't be the craziest thing in the entire world. And again, he made his bread and butter early on in his career with those deep passes. If he does sort of bounce back in any way, I think Evans, as that big downfield target, would be the main beneficiary now even if you think baker mayfield is going to be garbage that's fine let's give you two more reasons to buy in here which the first of which is mike clay's projections have mike evans at the wide receiver 20 again his adp is wide receiver 35 and that's on the back of this being a team that mike clay has projected to be like pretty awful i think they have he has him as like the 27th best team in the league like a bottom five team uh, he has him as like the 30th ranked offense. And even still, he has him at the 11th most pass attempts. He has Kyle Trask starting seven games. And even with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield like playing 10 games and seven games and both being pretty, pretty brutal, Mike Evans still ends up at wide receiver 20 on just five touchdowns. So it's really tough where this offense is going to be bad. But it's also going to be pretty consolidated when it comes to the passing game, right? Where, like, after Mike Evans and Godwin, we're talking about, like, Gage and Rashad White and Cade Otten. Like, none of which are true number three targets on an NFL team. Like, I guess Gage is the most number three target-worthy guy there. But it's a pretty huge drop-off. You have to assume that with Baker, like, I think that Brady is somebody that has spread the ball out in his career. Where like I mean, you talk about the Patriots. You've had a bunch of guys that he's thrown passes to, whether it's, like, Danny Amendola or... um, of course, you have Julian Edelman, and you have, like, even the weird, you have, like, Deion Branch at the end of his career. You have, um, like, I think Kenbrell Tompkins might be one. Like, you have uh, a really weird list of guys that he's thrown passes to. I think with Baker and or Trask, it becomes a little bit more consolidated. So even if the offense is awful and the efficiency isn't there, the volume should be there. And that should almost be enough, just based on their career averages, to get to, like, you know, flirt with top 24 numbers. Again, this is like a pretty doomsday scenario here where Baker is not good, 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions, um, and Kyle Trask ends up coming in. And even still, he has Evans and Godwin both finishing uh, in the top 24. Now, even if you're like, well, projections, who cares at all? Um, Mike Mike Evans, to me, and Mike Evans in those projections has a 22% target share. So that's the biggest thing right now. He hasn't had over a 20% target share in the last three years, Mike Evans, but I do believe now with like no more Julio, no more Antonio Brown, um no more tom brady i do think things are going to consolidate a little bit more uh for evans and i would expect somewhere in like the 20 to like 22 percent target share range 23 percent target share range and that can get him to flirt with the top 24 wide receivers so again like why receiver 35 like there's a lot of breathing room there and the cherry on top with evans is like last year he wasn't a good pick at adp right he was like a second round pick he ends up i think as like the wide receiver 14 wide receiver 15 um he wasn't great he was fine Uh, But he bailed everybody out last year by putting up like a 48.7-point bomb in the fantasy championship. So he has this out where, let's say wide receiver 35 is true, and he's not going to be good, and he's just going to be a wide receiver 3 this year. He at least has the trump card of when it matters most, or if you know, you're drafting him like the sixth round, right? So he might not even start in your starting lineup uh, a lot of the time. Like You're drafting him as like a flex option, right? But he has that like magic ceiling where if you put him in, he can win you the week single-handedly. Like he is one of four wide receivers over the last three years with two or more forty-plus PPR point games. It's Evans, Diggs, Adams, and Hill. Um, and you can see, like, only Chase Waddle, Higgins, Metcalf, Lockett, Claypool have one each. Justin Jefferson has never had a forty-plus fantasy point game. So that's kind of Mike Evans' calling card with his touchdown upside, his A dot upside. That he can be awful all year. And then come up huge and win you a week. So I think that someone that, like, you know, you're drafting as a flex option, that's a nice out to have, where even if all goes wrong, he can still make an impact if you put him in your lineup in the right situations. Now, after that, we have my fourth highest drafted wide receiver at this point. My third highest, I believe, is Nico Collins, but I've talked so much about Nico Collins. I decided, like, let's just chill on that. And let's talk about Rashad Bateman this year. Now, of course, I'll start with Bateman. Um, he's the wide receiver 45. He's going in the 8th round, which feels really low for him. But it's because of the injury concerns, and I figure we'll do kind of, I guess, like a slim shady. We'll talk about the downside first with Bateman, and of course it's the injury, right? When we talk about Bateman, like it's pretty brutal. We're talking about a guy who has played in just 18 of a possible 34 games to start his two-year career so far, which is absolutely brutal, right? He had a groin strain in the preseason in his rookie year. Strain, strained his groin again, then had an undisclosed injury last preseason, a foot sprain, re-aggravated the foot sprain into a Liz Frank injury, which is a pretty, pretty brutal injury to come back from. But we have some reports as well uh, where, like, he's getting cortisone shots. Now, that's a big one. He's getting cortisone shots, which I think, I think look, I'm not a doctor anybody that claims to really know what they're talking about. I think what has happened in this case, um, when we t- look at uh, my boy Deepak Chona, uh on twitter sports med analytics where he's a sports surgeon graduated from like i don't know something crazy like stanford and he uses like an algorithm to help with his injury stuff and i find it pretty fascinating um he's saying that rashad bateman is going to be very likely ready for week one he said the hardware is out which is positive news which i think hardware is that maybe he had like a metal plate uh sort of supporting or no i think he had a screw sort of supporting the the liz frank bridge in his foot or whatever and when you get it removed you have like a hole there and there's probably like uncomfortable rubbing or just like the uncomfortable, you know, just removing a screw that was in your foot for months. Right. So I think that's what the cortisone shots were just to like sort of help that uh, relieve that pain after you get the the screw removed, which is a positive sign. Um, But if removing the screw keeps aggravating him through the preseason, then that's, of course, an issue. So with all that being said, why am I still drafting him even with, you know, the injury concerns, the quarter zone shots, and I think that this is sort of what sums it up. First, I think it's priced in, right? He's an eighth-round pick. This is a a guy who last year, like, heading into year two was, like, a round five pick. So we're getting a discount there. The offense is better. The year three breakout is there. And it's also super early in the offseason, right? I don't want to wait this too much, the injury concern or the quarter zone shots and everything. I'm down to buy him at cheap because if training camp comes around – um, and he's fine, and there's no really reports of the quarter zone shots or the lower body injury, then he probably shoots up like a fifth, sixth-round pick, Rashad Bateman. So getting him now, you can kind of get some nice profit. But then if we get to August, and it's like, hey, Rashad Bateman's still struggling, he's still having problems with his foot, then that's when we'll scale it back. But I think this early in the offseason, I'm fine being pretty overweight on Rashad Bateman. We also just saw Etienne, who had a similar Liz Frank injury, came back last year and was pretty much good to go. Um, And again, any metal. That was in his foot has been removed so there's nothing still there It's just a matter of healing the foot so we can be good to go for week one now after talking about the injury why are we why are we buying in and it's because we're getting a year three breakout profile here at a massive discount where we've seen you know chris godwin you've seen calvin ridley debo samuel deontay johnson uh i mean it didn't really count last year with cd and justin jefferson because they were so expensive but a lot of the time like the key to a fantasy football season has been over the last like five years has been finding that year three breakout and I love Rashad Bateman for that reason. Where this is a chart from P. A. Howdy, uh, Peter Howder, Howard, uh, and it shows that if a wide receiver is going to break out, most of the time their first top five season or first top twelve season comes in year three. So that's a reason to you know buy into Rashad Bateman. And Rashad Bateman was an amazing prospect. I would put his prospect profile toe to toe. I mean, you're not going to put him toe to toe with, of course, like your Jamar Chase or anything. But that next tier of like your C. D. Lambs, like Rashad Bateman, is right in that mix beautiful beautiful college profile uh tested well produced all three years early declare produced next to tyler johnson another nfl wide receiver who was a year older than him just a really really strong prospect and then last year he showed a lot of promise on a per route basis uh where he was the I, again it's a small sample we're talking 120 routes last year but he was 12th in yards per route run at 2.38 anything above two yards per route run is a pretty solid number and he was 18th in target per route run at 23.3%, like, he was commanding more targets on a per-route basis uh, than, I mean, he was going, like, I mean, pretty close to, like, an A.J. Brown, more than a Jerry Judy, right on par with, you know, guys like, I don't know, like, Amari Cooper is in there, too. 23.3% target-per-run is nice, so he is efficient, he's earning routes on a per-route, or he's earning targets on a per-route basis. It's just a matter of, can he be healthy? And again, I think that that's kind of priced in, in the eighth round. Like, again, like, with the injury risk, like, how much cheaper do you want it to be, Uh, before you're interested and I think that eighth round is probably the breaking point for me now I love him in this offense right so again elite prospect profile strong per route numbers in year two and now heading into 2023 we have this new revamped Lamar Jackson offense and they add in Odell Beckham they add in Zay Flowers well Rashawn Bateman's the only guy outside of like Mark Andrews that's going to get meaningful routes in this wide receiver room that has an established rapport with Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman was almost like misused last year too where we're uh we're getting a new offensive coordinator now but under Greg Roman we saw Rashad Bayman despite absolutely balling out in the first two weeks his snaps are stayed around 60 percent uh because Greg Roman loved to like rotate his wide receivers out uh after in week four is when he got hurt so I'm not really counting those but that was another big issue too is that like even though he did have great per route numbers Roman refused to play him anymore. And like maybe in hindsight that was an injury issue, but I really don't think so. Like through three weeks, um, there was no signs that he had any injury going on. Like he looked amazing, he looked explosive in those games, he looked really good. Greg Roman just wouldn't, you know, increase his snaps. But now we have a changing of the guard. I've mentioned this a billion times and I'll mention it a billion more. But Greg Roman is out, someone that would play a slow offense, low volume pass offense, with Todd Monken coming in. Someone that is going to jack up the pass attempts, jack up the pace. There's going to be more plays, more pass attempts. The whole offense is going to be great. And if Lamar Jackson comes out here and, you know, leads the league in passing touchdowns like he did in 2019 and has an MVP campaign in this new look offense from, you know, actually being able to air it out and then, you know, you lighten up the boxes that way and you can sort of set up the run. But all the efficiency, the upside of this offense, if Lamar Jackson has a massive year, I think Rashad Bateman kind of comes with him. So we're getting a guy here. That could be a huge win rate wide receiver on a new offense. I think he's the best value of all of the sort of like year three breakout candidates right now from that 2021 wide receiver class. But yeah, Bateman's a great value right now. I'm scooping him up uh, because of the injury uncertainty. But again, if we get to August and things get a little bit more serious on the injury side, then sure. uh, I'm down to scale it back. Now we talked about Quentin Johnston, my favorite rookie wide receiver. Uh, rookie wide receivers have been cheat codes in fantasy. Who is my second most drafted rookie wide receiver? And that is one, Marvin Mims. Now, he's going much later than the first two. He's going like, I don't even know what 163rd pick is. I think that's going to be like 13th round pick, Marvin Mims. Wide receiver, 73. And the reason why I love rookie wide receivers, if they have just been an absolute cheat code um, over the years, where we can see rookie wide receivers – They increase their points per game as the year goes on, whereas veterans go down. And if we take that a step forward, I made this chart of over the last four years, we have had on average three rookie wide receivers be top 24 point per game options from week 10 on. Um, And you can see you're drafting these guys way later. Like Amon Ross St. Brown was wide receiver 76, I mean, or wide receiver 78, and Marvin Mims is wide receiver 73. Like some of these guys are drafted in the wide receiver 70s. Like AJ Brown was drafted in the 70s. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was drafted in the 70s. You have a lot of guys that resembled this profile of Marvin Mims that absolutely outproduced where you drafted them down the stretch when it mattered the most and you're playing in the fantasy playoffs and you're trying to win money and that's what I think Marvin Mims can be as this like late season hammer and he has a really nice upside profile he has the perfect like better in best ball better late in draft of a profile here and the reason that I want to bet on Marvin Mims is because I think people are going to look at Mims and be like well Ron he's like buried on this depth chart behind like Tim Patrick and Sutton and Judy what I would say is, is that we have a new regime coming in, Sean Payton, who handpicked Marvin Mims, and Cortland somebody who hasn't finished as a top 40 wide receiver in points per game, or inside the top 40 wide receivers in points per game since 2019, and he's been tied to a bunch of trade rumors. You have Tim Patrick working back from an ACL, you have KJ Hamler working back from a bunch of his injuries. Outside of Judy, it's a pretty thin depth chart, and the beauty with Mims is his versatility. He's someone that can get on the field early, because he can play inside and out. His Year one and three, he was about like a 30% slot percent guy. So, you know, majority on the outside. And then year two was a 75% slot guy. So it was like career numbers from slot and wide are like 50-50. He can play anywhere. He was also a good prospect, you know, like early breakout he produced. Here are his um, rookie comps in my database where you get some fun comps, right? You get like Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Cooks. You get KJ Hamler. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is not great. Diami Brown isn't great. He's by no means a lock to be this like amazing player but we're getting him super cheap like wide receiver 73 is super cheap and he has this profile i think is the perfect fit for russ as well like when you look at this list you're looking at guys of course like Deshaun jackson brandon cooks are kind of like your um luxury car version of this but he is that build of you know like speedy downfield playmaker uh, a little bit undersized of like tyler lockett with russell wilson uh john brown ty hilton he has that kind of profile as an undersized downfield speedster which has had a lot of success with russell wilson so you can kind of see what i'm getting at here uh and marvin mims like i don't have data on this uh but like for his entire career he had a 16.7 yard a dot and a 19.5 yard per reception that has to be some of the highest marks for a college wide receiver with over like 100 catches so he's that perfect fit for russell wilson where he's making his money inside and out down the field kind of similar to a Tyler Lockett, uh and he's perfect for that better and best ball build where if you're drafting on underdog you can take him late. I love getting him as a bring back in those charger stacks. So if I go like Herbert, Quentin Johnston, I'm getting Mims on top because we saw KJ Hamler was actually on the uh his rookie year, the Best Ball Mania winning team. And he put up like a two catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns game. And he actually brought Justin Herzig, the winner of the Best Ball Mania, or the first Best Ball Mania, through the first round of the playoffs. And I think that Mims can be something similar. Like, if he doesn't find himself as, like, an Amon Ross St. Brown down the season uh, or late in the season sort of, like, hammer, I think that he at least has the upside of, because of his dot and his yards per reception, that he can give you a stat line in best ball of, like, two catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns, give you, like, 20 points, and win you a week on super low volume because of his, you know, his archetype. Um, So, yeah, I like betting on Mims here. I like betting on Denver as a bounce-back team. Uh, This division breeds shootouts, right, where you have, like, Herbert and you have Mahomes. And you also have Sean Payton, who's a much better play caller and just overall coach than Nathaniel Hackett. I thought I could tough that out, but I couldn't. But regardless, Sean Payton, big upgrade from Nathaniel Hackett. And Russover's entire career has been like a cornerstone of efficiency his entire career. You have to think that things bounce back to the mean. If you look at his game logs last year, down the stretch, Russell uh, Wilson was actually a lot better than he was early on in the season. So we'll see what happens. I just think there's a lot of uncertainty with Russ and his bounce back and then also betting on a rookie wide receiver profile. So Mims is somebody I've been taking a lot of in redraft. Now, that is going to do it for us today. Those are three wide receivers I cannot stop drafting on Underdog. Again, if you are new to the channel, if you are new to Underdog Fantasy, make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. The best, best ball platform out there. You can draft teams right now. Don't have to worry about them. Don't have to worry about, you know, trades, waivers, any of that. You can just draft teams, get the reps in, you know, win money down the line, and not have to do any of the dirty work from week to week. Just make sure, if you are new, you use promo code RON. They'll match your deposit up to $100. The link will be in the description and in the comment section down below. But if you can't support there or you already have a promo code signed up, a like, a subscribe, a comment goes a long way for the boy. As always, I appreciate you guys watching, and I will see you all in the next one